Welcome to another episode of Into the Remote Podcast, the show where we explore the new ways of working and exciting new future of work. Glad to have you with us again. Welcome everyone to another episode of Into the Remote Podcast. Today we'll be talking about asynchronous communication and building a culture of documentation. Many remote teams have adopted an asynchronous way of working, which is ultimately based around documenting everything important that happens in the business, such as codifying culture code, documenting product development, taking notes of the meetings, and documenting decisions. And uh, today I'm very excited to welcome Shelby Wolpa, the founder of Shelby Wolpa Consulting. Shelby, welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. And Shelby has been a leader, a business leader in people functions for 18 years. And she was trailblazing the future of distributed work at Envision as a vice president of people operations way before it went mainstream. And now, uh, as I read, you are advising CEOs, people leaders, and VC companies to scale their people functions while really creating the world-class cultures. And I absolutely love that tagline, and I can't imagine a better guest to talk about today's topic. Thank you. So let's dive right into it. Uh, From your point of view, Shelby, what, what is the relationship between remote teams, asynchronous work, and a culture of documentation? Mm, such a good question. Um, they're so intertwined. Um, so I have said for many years uh, that, because I work almost exclusively with remote first teams, um, that if it is not written down, it does not exist. And I really mean that. Um, you know, we're all working from our homes across countries and the world. Um, like we we need great documentation to move quickly and know what's going on in the business. Um, and I, I just feel like it's such a fundamental thing for building successful remote-first companies. I absolutely love that quote. If it's not written down, it actually does not exist. And you said that you've been working exclusively with the remote-first companies, um, which is which find it very important. But uh, there are many other traditional companies that are sort of struggling with accepting the concept. So why is it actually important for either remote teams or traditional teams, hybrid teams, to build a culture of documentation? Because after all, it requires extra effort, new skills, tech tools to pull it off successfully. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, there are so many reasons. I'll I'll list a few and you may have to stop me because I could go on and on. Um, you know, so again, I primarily work with startups and, and startups move really fast. Um, we want to make people as productive and efficient as possible. And there's been a lot of research to show how much time employees waste searching for the, for information. Was it a Slack message? Was it an email? Was it a Google Doc? I can't, you know, our brains cannot possibly remember. And we waste a lot of time trying to find the answers. Um, There's also so much knowledge in our brains. So if people leave the company or they're on vacation and it's not written down, then literally no one knows the answer. And so the business slows down and progress can't move forward. So time wasting is is one of the, the big ones for me. Another reason that documentation is so important is that traditional companies and the traditional worker 
how we've worked for a long, long time is defaulting too quickly to a meeting. So if we need to discuss something or if we don't know the answer, hey, I'm just going to throw time on your calendar and we'll figure it out synchronously in a meeting. Uh, but if a company invests more in documentation, the need for multiple employees' time being wasted in a meeting can decrease significantly and you can use documentation you know, by default instead of a meeting by default. Um, there's lots of examples of when documentation can be a better choice than a meeting, um, such as providing status updates, writing down process documentation, gathering feedback on something that you're working on, or brainstorming ideas. I find that, you know, just using brainstorming as an example, if you're live in a meeting, one person's loud voice or, you know, first idea can really take the brainstorming in, in a direction that isn't useful. Whereas if everyone's kind of just having a quiet moment and brainstorming in documentation, you can get much richer ideas. Um, and my final reason why I think uh, documentation is worth the effort um, is that people need to consume information in lots of different ways. So, you know, I find that people need to hear things five times to really hear it and may consume information and, and really hear it in different formats. So maybe you really like video. Uh, I really like email or Slack or sitting in an all hands message. So um, documentation just helps to enrich the process of people absorbing and you know taking action on the things they're learning. That last point is so important. Uh, just recently, I, I, I did some digging and learned that to get the message across, you need to repeat it, as you said, five, even seven times to actually get it across. And very often, if we, as leaders, just mention it once in a meeting, we often think that, okay, it has been communicated, everybody got it. But, uh, you know, that might be just an illusion that the communication actually did take place. Mm -hmm. On your yeah, point, just to, like, go just ahead. To double down on that topic, something I say to leaders all the time, because I do a lot of manager training and leadership training and mm -hmm. coaching of leaders is that you should sound like you should feel like you are a broken record in your organizations, that you are repeating things over and over and over because you have the benefit of being in all these top-down meetings where you know, you're discussing it and really getting grips with it in an executive meeting, but then you have director level meetings, manager level meetings, all company meetings, and all these people are hearing things for maybe the first or second time. So if you feel like a broken record, you're doing it right. It's, it's a much nicer way of saying, um, of expressing the same thing, like our CEO used to say, like the moment you start being sick of repeating yourself, that's the moment the team starts to get the message, right? So it's uh, it, it's it's in the similar line um, that you have to repeat yourself and again and again. And um, we're talking about the documentation, having that kind of a point of reference to which you as a leader can always come back to and say, okay, more information are there and there is actually so, so important. So on a fundamental level, we're talking about the cultural change. And uh, we know that change is usually met with a lot of resistance. People do not like when things are changing. So how can we overcome that resistance when implementing the culture of documentation? 
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I've found in working with teams and clients that people often view it as a badge of honor to be the go-to person in their in their company for for information. It's like I have this problem that I need solved. Oh, I always go to Larry. Larry always solves my problem. Um, and Larry probably feels a lot of pride <laughs> in job security over that fact. So that that belief is really where the cultural change has to come from. Mm -hmm. um, that in order for Larry to grow, um, he has to release that that reliance on him in the company. So I try to help explain this to companies by saying, you know, the, the business will never grow and people will never develop in their roles if they are stuck answering the same questions over and over. Um, to me, you know, I'll use my example of building people operations team where we are, you know, a very go-to function for people's health insurance and payroll questions right. and um, you know, onboarding questions that, you know, I've had people on my team earlier in their career think like, oh, I just, you know, everyone comes to me. It's so great. And, and then they have no time to, for career development. And so that both can't be true. Uh, we, you know, for success, you know, to be, for people to be successful in their roles, um, they need to essentially document their entire job, which frees up more and more of their time for career development. Um, we used to have a saying on my team at Envision, um, we, cause one of our goals was to be completely self-service. Like we wanted employees to have access to all the information that they needed to be successful. We had people in 40 countries around the world. We never wanted to be the reason that the business slowed down and people couldn't move quickly. Uh, and so we viewed success if no one was coming to us with questions. And we, you know, we use the data on the questions that were coming us to improve our documentation. I love this approach. It reminds me a lot of building SaaS products, right? Like you want to build that product once so you can scale it and everybody can, you know, help themselves and you do not need to, you know, um, help them yourself, as you said. So it's, it's, it's with the scalability in mind uh, that that you can you can you can really improve things. I, I I love that kind of example that you that you said over there. On that note, uh, how different is it to implement the culture of documentation in the existing and well formed teams versus startups or new teams or new companies that are actually building their habits and the culture from scratch? Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it certainly is easier um, if you can start from the beginning, kind of building these muscles of documentation. Um, but it's not impossible if you are an existing team. Um, it just takes far more intention. And, you know, one of the biggest challenges or, or hurdles I see for companies to make uh, that are later stage is that they they have ingrained multiple systems already in place. Um, so the engineering team uses this, the product team uses this, the HR team uses this, marketing uses a fourth or fifth product. Um, and, and so the biggest challenge is to come together as a company and say, you know, we will not be successful in our goals around documentation unless we all circle around one system and either you know, sunset those old systems and consolidate onto one platform or figure out a way to integrate them. 
and we'll get into AI later, but I think, um, you know, AI is doing a lot to help solve that problem. And from your experience, what is easier to agree on one system and uh, the other teams just give up on the systems and platforms that they are using or, you know, build it kind of a uh, search layer on top of those? What is easier? Uh, I think it's, I don't know the answer of what's easier. Uh -huh. I think every business is different and every, like each business's requirements are different. Um, you know, for example, they may have a requirement to use a tool because of their customers, like their customers use that tool, um, or different like compliance requirements. You know, there's, there's a bunch of factors. Um, but I think that that's, that was the only option we had previously was to consolidate. And now I think that with kind of emerging technology, you don't have to do that. That, and, and it's very exciting, this new technology that is actually coming up. But uh, despite the fact that the technology really is a huge help and, and is getting more and more user-friendly, there still should be the main owner driving the adoption of culture of documentation. So who is it? Who is it usually in the companies that you work with? Mm, such a hard question. It sounds like I an know. easy question, but it's it's really a hard one of who should own documentation. So given that I tend to work with earlier stage startups, typically series A and B companies, there's usually not an established internal communications team. Um, it can be owned by the CEO's executive assistant. It can be owned by a chief of staff or head of operations role. I've seen documentation owned by the people team, you know, by the head of people, or even an employee experience person. Um, so you can see, like, there's a very wide range of where documentation can live. Um, but regardless of who who owns it, it has to be an assigned part of somebody's job, either their entire job or a part of their job. That to me is the key to success is that someone thinks of themselves as the owner, um, creating the systems and the hygiene around their documentation culture. Got it. So we do have the, the owner for a different company. It's a different persona. For a different stage, it's a it's again a different persona. So how can we scale this? How can teams start building a culture of documentation from scratch, you know, all across the business? And what are some of the you know first steps you recommend in cascading this new uh, way of working? Yep. Yeah. So, you know, this, this is the dream scenario that you don't have a process yet and you get to really design it from scratch. Um, that's, that's, you know, what I love working on with my clients as well. Uh, so we think of it as, you know, thinking about your company structure as scaffolding. Think of it like an outline. You know, if you were to think about how your company is organized, what would be, you know, the components of that outline? Um, some of the things, some of the core areas that come to mind for me and is information that every employee needs to know are things like your company mission, vision, and values, your remote working norms and expectations. Um, what is that company-wide tool set that you've aligned on so that we don't have a lot of tool overload? Um, these are the core things that become the foundation 
of your scaffolding or of your of your documentation. And then from there, it gets built out. So where each department can start to have their own space, you know, homepage for their information and get built out from there um, and, and so on. So, you know, but I really just want you to think about it like, like a web of information and from, not from, you know, say it's an HR person, it's not from the HR person's perspective of how they think about information. It's, it's really putting yourselves into the, the feet of your employees and how they consume information. So you build this scaffolding or the information architecture, and I would love to follow up on one point that you mentioned, then the department leads or the team leads could, you know, uh, build on that or build within that structure. How do you get those team leaders to start with culture of documentation in their respective teams? Hmm. Well, I mean, it has to, everyone has to be bought into this way of working, mm-hmm. you know, that this kind of asynchronous by default way of working. Um, the leaders need to understand, like, literally how much time is being wasted on their teams looking for information or in meetings. Um, so, you know, some more forward thinking companies are doing a lot of analysis on meeting time and, and, you know, time wasted versus, you know, the time doing their core job or, you know, just bonding and connecting with their teammates. Um, so I think, you know, I'm just a huge fan of data, you know, proving this to leaders and helping them understand if they're trying to build, you know, productive, happy teams, then let's remove a lot of the friction from their day. So understanding the why and having their buy-in is absolutely critical. None of this wouldn't be actually possible without the leader's buy-in. Cool. So we've been talking about um, helping leaders to build these new habits of documenting things. On the other hand, we need the technology, obviously, to capture, categorize, and manage all the information that we create. We need that one space where we can store it. And that software category has been labeled by different names, such as knowledge base or internal wiki. And recently, some companies started calling it single source of truth. I really like that kind of a, a label or a premise. So is it just a synonym, or is there a deeper shift in how we think about these type of technology? So the reason that intranets or kind of those old ways of describing knowledge bases had a bad rap was that they were immediately out of date and typically only stored HR information or not, you know, not a holistic set of documentation for the, for employees to do their jobs. So I am, I am seeing this deeper shift. Uh, I love the term single source of truth. And I use that a lot in my uh, discussions with my clients, trying to help them understand this, you know, forward, more forward way of, of thinking about the tech stack that we're using and this culture of documentation. Uh, because we really want the documentation to be, you know, in the daily practice of teams. Um, it, you know, when, when the pandemic first started, companies had Slack and Zoom and they're like, okay, we're set. You know, we, we're now ready to, to do remote working. And, you know, now that the years have passed, companies are realizing that that's not enough um, and more tools are needed. 
um, to create that single source of truth and, you know, speed, speed people along. Cause we all know we've spent hours and hours searching for through Slack to try to find answers to our questions. Uh, and it's, it's not possible. So a great example of this, uh, I've been doing some work with Guru. Uh, if you're just curious about a, a possible solution to solve this problem, um, Guru is a single source of truth, um, knowledge base, and they're doing some really cool stuff to ensure that your, your internet is uh, AI powered, is human verified, and you know in that ex existing workflow for people. Um, the AI powered bit is what's most exciting for me because it doesn't require that all information be in Guru. Um, with integrations that they have, you can search for a question and then it will source through, you know, potentially five or six different systems and bring forward the answer or bring forward a combination of answers because you have a little bit of information over here and a little bit over here and combined, you get the, the best answer to your question. Powerful search could be such a game changer when navigating navigating the single source of truth because over time we create so much information having a, a powerful search that really brings up that piece of information that we are looking for could be really a game changer. Yeah. Um, well, and that's also why the human verified piece is important and kind of, you know, like I mentioned with historical intranets, a page would be written and maybe five years would go by and you wouldn't know, is this still up to date? Has anyone reviewed this? Um, you know, Guru is also doing some really cool things where you can set reminders of, you know, I want to review this page on a quarterly basis or who did last review this page, who is the owner of it and was it verified by them? Um, so it gives employees more confidence that the information they're reading is accurate and they can just take it and, and go on with their day. Because um, what I would find if kind of in the old way of doing it is that we would kind of help train people to self-serve and go find information, but they would still just want to double check or triple check if it was something really important, like, um, like a parental leave or uh, like moving from country to country, just like, you know, is, is this policy up to date? This is so important. And we heard it from our clients as well. Uh, okay, should we implement such a single sort of truth? How do we make sure that exactly the information about the parental leave, for example, is up to date? So how do you how do you verify this information? How do you scale this? Um, is it just one person overseeing that particular you know segment? Uh, or do you try to once again scale the editors and and sort of distribute the 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 the, the workloads onto others in in a sense that everybody co-creates that kind of a content and you've got one editor helping and making sure that it is really up to date and correct? Mm, yeah, well, it can't possibly like one person can't possibly verify and review every page in a company. There's no way they can be an expert on all the things. So that definitely does need to be. Uh, that power does need to be spread out throughout the organization, uh, but typically, you know, department by department. Um, and ultimately, the head of the department is in charge of their their scaffolding, like their structure of their internet and um, when new pages can get created, et cetera. So they don't need to be 
overbearing on the process. Um, but the more kind of central and more corporate the information, I think the more, um, you know, checks and balances there need to be. Such an important point. So it's not only about creation of new information, but about maintaining the quality of the information and making sure that they are up to date. Uh, so important, really. Um, we started talking about the tool stack. Incredibly important. I would say like the quality of the tool stack really determines the quality of the remote work, should I go to such an extreme. Uh, how important is it for documenting culture, the quality of this tool stack that you've decided to adopt? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, you you said in my intro, you know, I was one of the people mm -hmm. had that had opted into remote working pre-pandemic. So I had chosen that lifestyle. I wanted to work for a remote company, um, but millions and millions of other people didn't get that choice. They were forced into remote work. Companies were forced into remote work. Um, and many CEOs see the value of it um, and they know that that's what their employees desire to continue the way they their employees desire to continue working in the future, but they haven't necessarily gotten they're not all in on on remote work and taking the steps to build their foundation uh, and build it into their culture. And one kind of yellow flag or orange flag I see with my clients is if they haven't taken this step. So you know. And sometimes it has to do with the stage of the company. So I don't, I don't judge too hard if it's, you know, an earlier stage company. Um, but often I find that their version of an intranet is Google Docs. Like, you know, well, we use Google Docs. We have a few documents that have some information. It's not really organized. Um, we're not sure if everyone has access to the right documents that they need. Um, and so to me, that's a signal that like, they haven't taken those steps to really design it, uh, design their documentation culture with intention. Mm -hmm. And at what size should that early stage startup or a company uh, really implement a dedicated tool to, you know, uh, bring bring in the culture of documentation? How many people should be on the team, roughly? I don't have a hard number, mm -hmm. uh, but you know, for me. Everything changes when an organization exceeds a hundred employees. Agreed. You know, we, it you you have a few layers of leadership where it's harder to communicate information, and not everybody knows what's going on all the time. So, if I had my way, and my you know my wish for companies out there was that between fifty and a hundred employees, you you selected your tool aligned on that tool and started building out that infrastructure so that between 50 and 100 by the time you reach 100 you actually have a solid base in place and then any new people coming into the company think oh it's always been this way and we're just going to start you know building on top of the the documentation structure that exists i can't agree more with you shelby like absolutely um we, we at slido we had a very similar experience that things started to get much more complicated when we were crossing that 100 people mark. And as you said, you usually already have a couple of layers of leaders and uh, the information transfer is not you know, so smooth. So 100% agree uh, that somewhere around those numbers, things get really, really more complicated. And 
one of the hottest topics of the past month months has been AI. And, uh, you know, these days we can, with just a few clicks, create summaries of meeting transcripts or, you know, how-to tutorials and whatnot. But how will generative AI tools transform the way we capture and work with knowledge inside the teams? Yeah, I've been digging into this myself just with so much curiosity and, you know, really wanting to understand all the ways that AI can help HR teams and and companies as a whole. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier, but you know, one of the I just see so many productivity enhancements with generative AI for remote teams. Uh, for example, you know, the example I used earlier, which is if you have a question, being able to tap into a handful of existing sources to piece together an answer quickly, you know, across numerous tools I see as huge and just would just be a delightful moment in people's day. Or I see AI being used to document what's in people's brains. Often there's so much knowledge tied up um, inside their heads, but they don't have the tools or time to, to work on documentation. So I see AI being a great improvement in helping people write, but also helping keep consistent documentation across companies. So using AI to clean up text and grammar, spelling, tone, translate documentation into numerous languages. If you're a global team, um, write summaries, uh, just I could go on and on. So I'm clearly excited about uh, what the future holds for, for us. Shelby, thank you so much for all the amazing insights that you shared with us today.